Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hello and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. I'm Trevor Cochran. It is Friday afternoon. We're heading into the weekend and we have got a fantastic program coming up for you. This, this week, it's actually um, it's actually packed full of lots of opportunities for you to ask questions, but also some really interesting stories that are coming up. And a bit later on, I will be talking to the Managing Director of Flora Plant, Richard Deckers. Now, Richard's an old mate of mine. He runs one of Australia's top nurseries. It is absolutely fantastic. I have featured it on the Garden Gurus TV series before. You'll see why. We'll talk to Richard, get a few tips because they are one of the leaders when it comes to indoor plants. Um, we've got Love the Garden joining us. They're going to share some tips to building a healthier lawn ahead of winter. I'll be sharing the Garden Express offer of the week. It's a great opportunity for you to continue that planting um, strategy with bulbs. And later in the program, I'll share with you how to grow frangipanis because it's my plant of the week, my favourite tree at the moment, the frangipanis all around my neighbourhood are in masses of flower. Now, remember, this is Friday evening. It is your chance to ask questions and, uh, you know, you can comment as we go. So if you like some of the things that we're doing, make sure you press like, let everybody know, let your friends know. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So maybe what we should do straight away is just fly into a question and then we can maybe duck across to Richard. Now, one of the things that's very important is when you pose your question, tell us where you're from. Tell us what uh, suburb you live in, because sometimes, or, or town, if you're in New South Wales, for example, but you're in the northern beaches or you're right up on the north coast, the conditions are dramatically different. In fact, that's one of the things with Australia this, you know, this week. Um, weather has been insane. A week ago in, in Western Australia, fires everywhere, stinking hot conditions, strong winds. And within you know two days, we had three times the month's rainfall average in just 48 hours. It was just crazy. And we're seeing these extreme weather patterns occurring right across the country. So there's quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of reasons, I suppose, that you do need to know, or we need to know where you're actually from. But Eunice's question is a really good one, and she wants to know if there are some new tools out there for elderly people. She wants to install a, a timer drip system around a small courtyard because using a hose is now painful. She's got low vision, she's arthritic, and she wants to make it easy to install. Can I 
advise an easy low budget kit? Well, there is one from Holman that we've used. Um, it's the XR8. It is a fantastic system. And uh, basically it's a simple screw onto the tap, read the instructions as far as the programming goes, and then just plug in your poly tube even your, you can run a, a multi-faceted faucet off there so you can have multiple outlets and you can even run things like hoses, etc. Once you've set it up, it is absolutely simple. So that might help you. Christine, hi Christine from Stirling in Perth. Um, it's nice to, to hear you again. She sent a picture of her sad rose and it's been treated with trace elements, trefortae and sudden impact. She's hoping that that's going to make a big difference. Um, and a big hello to, to myself and the Guru team. Big hello back at you, Christine. You know what, um, roses have really suffered and the rain that uh, we had in Perth has done the world of good to them in just the last week. So I was looking at mine, they were very, very stressed from just this continual hot weather, but they have really bounced back with some milder conditions. So the things you've done, Troforte, trace elements, remember Troforte actually has trace elements in it as well and sudden impact, which is an organic fertiliser that's going to improve the organic content in the soil. Um, it's a good combination. Those three things are really good. So I hope that uh, that helps. Simon is also in Perth. We've got a few people from Perth coming in today, which is great. Um, how do I stop my elephant ear indoor pot plant from browning and yellowing? And that would be a terrific segue into introducing Richard Deckers. Now, Richard's the Managing Director of Floral Plant. Hands-on guy, he knows his indoor plants. In fact, he knows everything from cactus to succulents to orchids better than probably anybody I know. G'day, Richard, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, yourself? Good. You look like you're in the middle of uh, indoor plant heaven, my friend. Yeah, I set up a bit of a jungle, so <laughs> show you what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so just on that particular question, the elephant ears, the allocaceous um, or calocaceous sometimes, browning and yellowing, what do you reckon the problem is? Uh, look, to be honest, generally I've got them here in the house as well. Um, mm -hmm. Generally I find low light uh, will, will cause a bit of that um, yep. as well as a bit of overwatering. So uh, generally when the plant tries to get rid of that water, it, it starts at the tip of the leaf um, yep. and it tends to brown the tip of the leaf as the cells can't disperse the water. Uh, when you give it a bit more light, it can photosynthesize a bit easier and evaporate yep. that water out. So Mate, generally, sometimes a bit of overwatering. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? I was going to ask you at the at the end of our conversation, what are the two biggest killers of plants? And I know that overwatering with indoor plants is probably one of the biggest. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and obviously underwatering is another one when people are too light on. But that's that's yep. quite obvious because plants are wilting. You can see that quite easily. Uh, but overwatering is is kind of the silent one where you start to see the browning of the leaves and that sort of thing. It's the old story: too much love or not enough love, isn't it? It is, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a fine yeah. balance, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, mate, with indoor plants, you, you tell us a little bit about the nursery. Your nursery is spectacular. Okay, yeah, we've got uh, glasshouse facilities. Um, so we have all different compartments. Uh, everything is climate controlled from heating to fogging, um, you know, windows, screening systems, uh, short day, long day systems, um, cooling systems, so orchids we need to cool. Uh, so, yeah, we, we basically have every climate at our fingertips and we mm -hmm. then produce the plants in the right zones. And you mentioned long day, short day facilities and, and you, I think, 
um, our history, our personal history, goes back a long way. And uh, Richard's dad um, originally came from Holland to Perth and set up a state-of-the-art nursery back then. Um, and it, it, back in those days, he was probably one of the very first people to be using the, the long-day, short-day systems. What do you do with a long-day, short-day system and what plants are you growing as a, as a consequence of that system? Okay, so to, to grow a, like a, a good one, a good example would be a poinsettia at Christmas. Yep. So that's a short day flowering plant or it turns its leaves short uh, in winter. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously Christmas for us is in the middle of summer. So we do the opposite to most of the world. Uh, yep. And we actually produce the poinsettia in summer. So to make that happen, we actually have to create a short day. So under 12 hours of daylight. Uh, mm -hmm. And we use these massive blackout systems, what we call blackout systems, which are curtains that automatically close and open um, to create that short day. And is that computer controlled? Yeah, everything is computer controlled. Um, it's it's quite in depth. The system is very in depth. We can open if there's too much humidity in the house, we can crack the screen open just to let some humidity out. So there's there's lots of lots of little things we can tune into that. Uh, yep. to make sure we're creating the best environment. And so it's all about shortening the days because that's what triggers the flowering. But, of course, Correct. as we're going into summer, our days are getting longer, so you're reversing it around so we're effectively giving it the same treatment it would be getting if it was growing in the Northern Hemisphere. Correct. Correct. So in Europe or America and places like that, where it's naturally going to flower at Christmas, we, yep. we, have to, we basically have to trick the plant to do that. Now, you, I think probably one of the things that um, you really led the way with was chrysanthemums at Mother's Day. And, you know, we're not that far away. So have you planted your chrysanthemums? Are they coming along now? Yeah, so basically all the guys are doing that at the moment. So we've got the next two weeks, we've got to put in thousands of cuttings. So we've yep. got the mother stock. So to do the mother stock, we have that the opposite area. We have a long day area where, where yep. the lights are on all night. Um, so that creates vegetative cuttings. Um, so we've picked all the cuttings and yeah, the next two weeks we'll be putting all the cuttings direct in the pot. And this is, this is again, so this long day system, you're, you're doing the reverse in this instance, aren't you? Basically, yeah, to get vegetative material, we've got to reverse that process. Yeah. So, so otherwise, cool. if we don't do that, the plant will flower too quickly and we don't get a nice plant. And these beautiful little chrysanthemums that we find in pots in florists and in garden centres and bunning stores, um, in around the Mother's Day period that you've grown, and you're growing thousands and thousands of them, aren't you? Um, the, yeah. These little plants, for all the effort and all the energy you go into to growing them and, you know, manipulating the light so that you're getting the right flower and the right growth, and, you know, there's so much goes into this, and you're doing all of that, and they still sell for probably under $10, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's uh, oh. What can you say? It's a commodity line, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. It's just crazy, so. crazy how cheap they are. But look, that's one of those very clever things. Now, mate, um, tell me a little bit about your favourite indoor plants at the moment because you've got a, a sensational range there. Yeah, look, we, we're quite heavy into the indoor plants. Um, I think our philosophy is uh, to try and grow things that we know people will have for a long time and it's not easy to kill. Yep. Um, but also are very aesthetically pleasing. So, so we do a huge range of peperomias now. We do photonias, the little nerf plants, which are yep. super popular. Um, succulents still fit into that because succulents people have around the house in bathrooms and things like that. Mm. Um, but as well as trying to do the unusual things and new things. So we have, you know, brand new uh, Zinzi, uh, which is a brand new Zizi, which is a, a very compact variety. Um, but we've got things like variegated nidus coming through as well. Um, so we're trying to do unusual things as well. So this so. Th this this is um, 
pull that up together. So that's a variegated um, bird's nest fern. Yeah. So, yes. so originally uh, the bird's nest fern, nice dark green leaves, but you've got white variegations through that. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're always hunting around the world trying to find new and exciting species, which, which is what the public want as well. Um, yep. Obviously, we, we test them first and make sure they're robust. But, uh, yeah, as you see, that's, that's a winner, that one. That's a beautiful one. That's not released yet. That's still coming through. So when will that be released? Uh, I'd say probably in a couple of months' time. Okay. So, yeah. mate, if people, you know, if you don't mind, we might invite um, people who are viewing to ask questions if they like. Obviously, that's something really new. I saw the ZZ plant that uh, you're growing. It's a really little compact form of it. It's really beautiful. Yeah, so look, all ZZs are good. It doesn't matter what variety, but the nice thing about this one is it's a good tabletop ZZ. So it just, because it stacks so tightly on top of each other, the internodes are very fine. Yep. Uh, and just the way, the habit, the way it grows, it's very bushy. Um, yep. It just makes for a really great coffee table ZZ or windowsill ZZ, whereas the yep. other bigger varieties are obviously for big pots around the house, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, Richard, before you, you talked about orchids, and you guys grow some of the most magnificent Phalaenopsis orchids, those moth orchids that people love. Tell us a little bit of what are the tricks with those? Because often people will buy them, for example, for Christmas or for Mother's Day as a gift, and um, there is a real trick, a real art form to getting them to grow, but they're a pretty hardy orchid, aren't they? Look, they're actually one of the hardiest plants. Um, it's generally if you dry them too much or overwater them that they start to cause a bit of problems. Uh, but that's very easy to gauge. Um, if you don't mind, I'll grab one quickly. Yeah. So what you really want to do with the clear pot, you want yep. to look at that root structure. So even when you're buying it, you want like this, a nice full root structure because You've got a good root structure and you've got a big plant on top, it balances out. If you've got a big plant, not a lot of root structure, it's not going to do too well in your house, yep. if that makes sense. So, so, so that's I'm a buying guide. For... Sorry? That, that's a good thing as a buying guide is to look out for that good solid root system. Yeah, that's what you need because a lot of orchids sometimes are grown, you know, in, in the right houses, so to speak. Yep. Uh, don't produce a lot of roots because they don't have to because they're thriving. Um, yeah. But that doesn't make for a good orchid in the house. Yes. So what you're looking for is a big root system like this, and the colour tells you what's going on. So if you look at the colour of the roots, these are actually like a light green to silver. Yep. Um, so that, that to me says it's it's got water in it, it's happy. Um, when they go really silver, like the top ones do, like this, yep. uh, but you see that all through there and you start not seeing the green anymore, that means it's thirsty. Right, so too you dry. Actually give, give, and, and starting to dry, so you need to give it water. Yep. Um, the opposite to that is if you're overwatering, the tips actually start to go an orangey colour. Yep. Uh, and that is actually the root starting to decay right. because it can't right. handle all the water. So, yeah, so I, I know it's a bit of an effort, but if you lift your orchid, it, it's actually trying to tell you what it wants. Right. Okay. So the plants do talk to you. I always say that about plants. If you look at them, they'll tell you what's wrong or what's right. Yep. Um, so so this, this is a pretty robust plant we, you've got here. Now, it's in flower. That's how people would normally yep. buy them. When it's finished flowering, do they go and cut the stem off, the stalk, the flower stalk, or do they leave it on? Look, it's optional. You can actually cut it. Oh, I can't show it on the camera, but you can actually cut it. So this is its sort of flowering internode. Yep. If you then pick the next one, which is here, cut a centimetre above that, yep. nine yep. out of ten times it will actually throw another stem. So once all these flowers are gone, yep. if you cut a centimetre above that, another stem will probably protrude from that. But it's, mm -hmm. it's not a guarantee. Yep. So 
When it does, that will flower for you. If it doesn't, then our recommendation is always to cut it right back at the base. Yep. Um, and then to naturally treat an orchid into flower, it has to experience a winter. Um, so the best okay. thing in Perth would be under a patio area somewhere uh, in June, July. Yep. Um, just, just don't overwater it because obviously it's not evaporating a lot of water outside when it's cold. Yeah. Uh, it just can't. It just can't take full sun and it can't take you know the harsh weather. But under yep. a patio near a wall, put it there for eight weeks, bring it back in around August, and mm-hmm. you will start to see new eyes, what we call the eye, coming yep. from the from the next internodes of the leaf sets, and that'll be your new stems. Awesome. Now, listen, just just with the um, with the orchid, with these particular orchids as well, um, when you water them. How are you watering them in the nursery? Because I know some people talk about them getting a bit of rot when they're sitting, um, if they, they finish, they move them outside, they get a bit too much water over the top of the foliage. Are you, are you feeding them over the top or are you flooding them through the bottom? No, we're actually overhead irrigating them, um, yep. but it is actually very minimal, to be honest. So okay. our soil is, is obviously engineered to, to hold moisture, but not but have a very high airfill porosity, which most yep. orchid barks are. But ours is a little bit different because we add a bit more koi. We also add a couple of peat chunks to it. Um, we tend to hold the water a, a fraction longer than most people. So we only actually water them once a week, and it's actually okay. very minimalistic. Wow, only once a week? Yeah. And is yep. it for, for so very... In summer. Is it how, how long would a watering be? Uh, watering is usually about seven minutes, and in that seven minutes we do about 10,000 plants. Wow. That's incredible. In one, in one go. So, yeah, and that's it for the week until the following week. Mate, that, that's that's um, fantastic information on those because there's a lot of them going out into people's homes these days, aren't they? They've really become the number one orchid. Yeah. Uh, it is. I think if you're looking for flowering plants uh, and you want them to last, then you can't really go past an orchid or an anthurium. Um, yep. I think those two products are, are pretty well the best flowering indoor plants you can buy. Um, and the other thing, actually, I just wanted to mention on the orchid is uh, don't overfeed them either. They don't really like that. Um, yep. They like a really weak solution. Um, so we tend to find even the anthurium are exactly the same. We, we keep them on a similar regime. Yep. Um, so less, less is more. Okay, well, that, that's some really good advice. We're getting some great feedback from people who are watching or tuning in. Keenan said they look awesome. Where can you get them from? Where do you sell them from, mate? Uh, look, we sell them at all leading retail outlets and garden centres. Um, yep. So, yeah, so it's, you, you it's supply, available everywhere. You supply all over Perth in this instance, don't you? You're all over yes, WA? Yeah. Yeah, so we supply everywhere. Um, obviously, at the moment, the, the market of it we know is quite uh, – hot for plants it's it's yep. quite good um so we do tend to run out of stock more than we ever have yep. um but look we're always back we always do follow-up crops so we always have crops coming through right okay well listen there, there's a few more comments coming through Chris, christine said they look amazing i love indoor plants and all pot plants janet said i love this show and sharia said my orchid wouldn't reflower so it's in hydro now so can you grow them in hydroponics okay uh, it's yeah, you can you can, but again, if it's sitting too wet too long, you're going to start yep. seeing that that root rot. And if the plant's upset, it's not going to do what you want it to do. So the flood and drain system would be the better system to use if you're going to do hydros. Rather than sitting it in water. Okay. Yeah. That's so incredible. you get away with with anthurium and spadophyllium and things like that, the sort of more the Aran family. Yep. Uh, you'll get away with sitting in water, but um, orchids not not really. No, you've got to realise in the wild these are clinging to trees. Yeah. So these are up in the in the in the tops of trees and just clinging onto the trunk of the tree. So they're used to getting a downpour 
you know, once a week or, yeah. you know, afternoon downpours, things like that. So yep. so sitting yep. in water is not really their forte, whereas anthurium and spatophyllium and things like that, they're more ground-dwelling plants. Um, so you tend to find they're, they're more better with that. And you alluded to it earlier on, but obviously um, the, the, the potting mixture that you're using is open and airy and able to drain and allow a lot of air to the roots. And it's one of the things that a lot of people don't realise that, that roots actually need air as well. It's not just the, the foliage above the soil. The roots do need air to be able to operate properly. And when they become saturated, they actually drown. They, they suffocate, don't they? Yeah, that's great. Look, all our, our potting mixes, uh, we tend to go for around about a 25% airfill porosity. Yeah. Um, so that's, so that's, huge. that's quite high. Yeah. It's huge, but that seems to work the best. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I, I want to ask you your five favourite indoor plants. Uh, look, I, I, at the moment, I'm going to be uh, go classic and say Devil's Ivy has to be on top of the list. Yep. Um, it's It's... It's the number one plant at the moment, and it is the sit one and most simple as well. Mm -hmm. um, definitely is easy. It doesn't matter what type is easy or what brand or colour. Uh, yep. if, if indoor plant, if you're looking for something you can't kill, then ZZ is the way to go. Indestructible. Um, indestructible, exactly. Yep. Spatophilium, look, you can't kill a spatophilium. Uh, they wilt. They tell you when they're thirsty. You can't really overwater them. As we said, we, we can leave them in water. Um, yep. So, again, very robust, awesome around bathrooms and places like that. Um, I'm going to say peperomia. Um, they don't get enough credit. They're really good. They're really okay. good. They're really robust. You can ignore them. You can come back after a month's holiday and they still look the same. The best so, ones, the best ones I've, so. I've ever seen of peperomias, the best ones I've ever seen growing are the ones where people have put them in their bathrooms. They're one of those classic bathroom plants. They just look great. They don't overgrow. Yeah. They look fabulous and they love that environment, don't they? Yeah, they do. And they just they look fake. And that's, yeah. you know, after all, that's what we want, isn't it? Aesthetically pleasing yep. uh, art, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and it is. Now, how many do we have there? We had pepperoni, spathophyllums, we had ZZ, we yep. had we had oh we had pothos. Are we missing anything? Well, the, other one I was, the other one I was going to mention, which is actually an old classic, uh, is Ficus elasticus. Now they've made a real resurgence in popularity, uh, yeah. and basically because you can't kill them. They, and they grow and they're beautiful. If you look around our office, I don't have any sitting behind me at the moment, but if you look around our office, it's one of the, the probably the toughest plants that we've got. They are just fantastic. And one of the things that most people don't realise with indoor plants is that when, we're, when they do analysis of the air we breathe, the worst air we ever come in contact with is the air that's actually inside our houses and our, our workplaces because we've got so many materials that slowly break down and release these things called volat volatile organic compounds. They're gases that come into the atmosphere as things like plastics break down or oils start to, to evaporate. And they're not good for us, and some of them can be really bad for us. And the best way to clear them out of the air is with indoor plants. They are the air filter. They'll take them out of the atmosphere, which is another good reason to have plants you know, inside the house, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of studies in the past on that. And, yeah, as you say, it's uh, one, of, one of the easiest and cleanest ways to clean the air. We've still got the comments coming through. Cherie said Devil's Ivy is her favourite. Peace Lily is good too. Um, mate, if, if you could leave us with, um, I, I think, maybe a couple of little tips possibly on... Um, on the best, the way to get the best results with an indoor plant. You know, one of the things I always get asked is how much water should an indoor plant have each week? Yep. Oh, look, we, um, 
to be honest, in in, uh, in our households now, I think the modern household, everyone's got a bit of air conditioning and things like that. Um, yep. So in summer, definitely don't overwater because we've always got the climate and the temperature set. Um, yep. I think most indoor plants that you see here on the table uh, would have plenty of water with with once a week. That would be more than enough. But look, do the we we do sell a lot of our stock in the in the ceramic, but lift it out quickly. Have a look if there's water in the bottom. Don't water. If, if yeah. the water is gone, give it a drink. Weight is usually the best way as well. So if you, around the nursery, for us to gauge moisture in the nursery, we actually lift every pot. So we walk around on the benches, lift every pot uh, to feel the weight. So yeah. after a while, you get to sense what's heavy, what's not. And obviously heavy is wet and light is dry. And you start to get a feel for how much water you should be giving. Brilliant advice. Richard, this has been one of the best sessions I think we've ever done. It's fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to not, do often, it. not often we get the chance to actually talk to the guys that actually grow the plants. So I really appreciate your time. I'd like to do it again sometime in the near future. Yeah, no worries at all. I'm keen for it. Awesome. Well, look, you have a great weekend and I might get on with answering a few questions. I know we've still got a few people passing comments about plants that uh, that they love indoors. Uh, Dean mentioned Sansevieria. There's so many good plants and, and Flora, Flora Pot is the, the one that, that's been putting beautiful plants. Your, your Flora plant plants really have changed in many ways. Many of the garden centres all over Australia because you do supply, you know, on a regular basis, not just through WA, but also nationally. And uh, it's something that people should keep their eye out for. Yeah, yeah. No, we do. We, we try to do the best we can. That's all I can say. You do a bloody good job. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Cheers. All right. And uh, Sharon said thanks. Yes, I enjoyed that session. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Now we're going to get into some questions and answers. Remember, please, when you ask your questions, um, let us know what your, um, what your suburb is, where you are um, is really important. Um, it, it's for me to be able to answer your questions properly, uh, I need to know what sort of climatic conditions you're going through and what your seasonalities are right at the moment. We're a big country and we've got a lot of different climatic zones, so I'll do my best to answer them and give you the best information. Cherie said, um, yes, this has been my favourite segment and I'll re-watch it tomorrow. Good on you, Cherie. Thank you. Questions and answers. Anya is in Parramatta in New South Wales. Hello to everybody in New South Wales, particularly you, Anya. Thank you so much. She says, hello, Trevor and the awesome guru team. And that's an important thing, Anya, you're right. This is brought to you by a really great team of people who stay back and make sure that we're um, producing the very best material for you. You often just see me answering the questions, but it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for these guys. So, um, good point, thank you. Now, Anya said that she kills succulents with kindness and uh, she loves aeoniums, but she's managed to, to get some little cuttings that are still alive indoors. Um, I'm taking it those are the ones that you've been killing. Um, but they're not thriving. And hand on heart, you're not watering them as much as you would love to. They're in a little pot with succulent potting mix and the soil is looking too dry. I'm itching to water them. Any advice would be immensely helpful. I reckon Richard just helped you um, because basically what he's doing is he's watering his plants in the nursery just once a week, which is pretty incredible. So, um, and when we talk about water, we're basically talking about, about that much once a week. So it's one cup 
once a week is all your, your little cuttings will need. And when you're growing succulents, um, some of the best advice we've ever had, and um, I know that Karen from Love the Garden did this last week and, and she's done it before, but they'll grow from just the leaf. So you just need to pull the leaf away from the stem, pop that into that cutting mix and let it grow. It'll drop roots out and then a whole new plant will emerge. So try and hold yourself back. The tendency is to water uh, and I think also Richard did give another good tip there and he said, don't be scared to have a look in the bottom of the pot. If the bottom of the pot is actually, um, if, it's, if it's got water, if it's very moist, you are, you're going to have problems if you keep adding to that. These plants want to send their roots down to the very base, but they will struggle if, you, if you're not careful. So keep the water off. I know you're itching to water them, but they prefer it on the dry side. And remember, folks, if you like what you've seen uh, on today's show, make sure you give us a like. That's important. Now, I'm going to roll across straight away into the Garden Express deal because um, David, and uh, I suppose this is what's happening to everybody in Melbourne, is tonight Melbourne's going into lockdown. It's five days. It's going to be tough. You guys have been through it on more than one occasion now. And and we know coming out of it at the moment in the West just how tough it is, and I think just for every Australian state. Um, so everybody sitting here has been through it. So hearts go out to you guys, and I know that you're busy out there. I think David was taking the opportunity to make sure he took his wife out for Valentine's Day and maybe an opportunity also to have a glass of red. So I've been left with the responsibility of sharing their special deal. They did a special deal for us uh, last week. They've got a mega gardener's favourite collection this week. It is the ultimate collection. There's 10 varieties of spring flowering bulbs. That is 202 bulbs. Can you believe that? 202. Now, that's a mix of everything you're going to want for an amazing spring colour show in the garden. There's things like um, 50 freesias, and it's the Hadiko mixed range, which is a really nice range of very large flowers that are fragrant. There's the Muscari grape hyacinths, uh, 20 of those, 10 daffodils yellow, 50 ranunculi mixed, 20 freesia refractor elba, that's a beautiful fragrant freesia. Um, anemones, the poppy mixed ones there, those wonderful poppy-like single flowers, beautiful colours. There's 10 snowflakes, 10 Dutch iris, the discovery variety, which is one of the best, seven mixed tulips and five hyacinths. Get a load of this. Normally, that 202 bulb collection would cost you around $130. $129.80, I think, is on their website. But they have got a super deal just for you guys today. You can save 45%. They're only $70 for 202 bulbs. And the great thing about Garden Express, this is the garden centre that delivers direct to your door. So you order online, gardenexpress.com.au, and expect them to turn up in the next couple of weeks. They'll get them off to you. Now is the time to be getting into it. Now we've got an opportunity for you to, um, to ask your questions. And uh, again, I please, I emphasise, really important. Sandra, I know you, you've tuned in. Um, but you haven't told us what suburb you're from. So please make sure you let us know what state and what suburb or town that you're from. Sandra's problem's quite an interesting one, though. This is one that actually occurs quite consistently. She's got an elk fern. So this is an um, epiphytic fern that grows in trees. They're normally grown on boards in home gardens and put on walls. It's got tiny black and orange sucking bugs and it's destroying the, the, the stag, the actual fern itself, all the beautiful fronds. And this is a common problem, but spraying these guys is actually fraught with danger because they really do not like any kind of chemicals being poured over them in any sort of um, great level. So 
what you need to do is you need to use something that's quite soft ideally and the ideal soft uh, treatment is probably going to be something that's organic. You can use pyrethrum and it will take those black and orange sucking bugs off that you're talking about. I know exactly which ones they are and they're there because the elk has actually been producing um, spore from the base of the fronds themselves. Sandra, thanks for letting us know where you are. One Turner in Victoria, thank you. Um, so what you really want to be doing is using pyrethrum, ideally. Um, there's some synthetic pyrethrum and natural pyrethrum. Look out for the natural if you can. Um, there is a bit of a difference. The synthetic is a stronger form. Um, and there are natural predators which will take those bugs out. But it is a cyclical thing. And don't worry, your elk horn will not die regardless. It will actually uh, regenerate new foliage now. So. Um, yeah, that's probably the easy solution. Staying in Victoria, Susan is in Geelong. Hello, Susan. My snowball tree is flowering, which is very odd for this time of the year. You are absolutely right. So this is uh, a beautiful shrub called Viburnum opulus, and it has beautiful big pom-poms, very much like a hydrangea flower, but it produces them and then they hang all over the tree. And when the tree is stressed, sometimes you'll see it'll do a second flower. And really hot summers are generally the things that trigger that stress. It's a bit unusual though, because your summer has actually been quite mild. So maybe you've had a few hot days and it's triggered a little bit of root stress and it's the plant has just done what they do naturally and that's just produced some flowers. It won't hurt it. It's not gonna affect the spring flowering. It's just one of those, those anomalies in nature when we get strange seasonal changes. Now, my plant of the week, I went and pulled this off one of my um, frangipanis at home. I've got some beautiful frangipani trees. This one is that beautiful creamy white with a yellow center. It's the most fragrant of all of them. And the thing is, there's a lot of people asking questions about growing them. So I thought I'll just show you the easiest way to do it. And it's, it's a little bit on the radical side. What you do is you just literally, I've got a couple of little side shoots off there, even those would grow, but you literally go through and you just cut all of the foliage. And I mean all of the foliage except for one leaf off. And suddenly you've got this, this plant. Now you can see this is a bit of a broken base. And what you've got to do is you've got to cut the base flat. So we'll just get that in there, cut him flat. And one of the things that'll occur is from the base, we'll get this white milky sap. You can see it on the sides here, just how that's starting to flow out. Now, what you do with the cutting is not stick it into the ground or into a pot straight away. In fact, take it outside, leave it laying in a, a protected spot. If you're getting hot summer days, you don't want it to get sunburned, but you take it outside and you leave it for 24 hours so that it's completely dried, that sap's completely healed over, including the base, and then pop it into a, a sandy mix. So uh, you, what you want is a, a propagation mix, ideally, and you leave it. And now is pretty much your last chance to be successful in taking these cuttings before the winter comes, when you can go through and take lots and lots of cuttings again. But yeah, when you take a look at all the leaves that I just cut off um, from that original plant, which are all producing lots of energy, you think that's crazy. Why would you do that? But it is very important you take them off and that you do rest the cutting before you plant it. It's probably one of the very few plants that you would ever do that to. So frangipani, this is the white uh, or the creamy white
flower with a yellow center. That is incredibly fragrant. And now if you're going to grow it, now is the time to be doing it. it it's really important because another month or so down the line, and we'll be moving into cooler conditions and they'll tend to rot. So now keep asking your questions. It's really important. Send them through and let us know what state you're from, uh, what suburb you're from, and I will make sure I, um, I help you out with the answers to the questions. Now, earlier this week, I spoke with the category manager at Evergreen Garden Care, Alicia Lamont. Now, Alicia is really passionate about her, her role in, at Evergreen. She's got a pretty unique role. The, the guys who, um, who come from Love for the Garden are really keen, really at the top end of what's going on. And her area is lawn care, so she's got that lawn builder range. And I spoke to her about the summer traffic, the wear and tear, and what you should be doing now to prepare for winter. So thanks for joining us. Now, tell me a little bit about what's going on with lawns all over the country. The weather has been crazy and there's really different problems occurring, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you've, you've got the dry spells in the west. You've got yeah. uh, increased rainfill, uh, rainfall over here in the east. Um, yeah. So it's, it is all over the place. And um, I think what, what's important is that feeding your lawn is going to help your lawn survive those weird and wonderful extremes that are happening with our climate and weather systems at the moment. Yeah, I, look, I know, you know, from a personal point of view at home, I've got some dry patches as a result of that very long, hot period that we had with uh, summer rain, uh, no summer rainfall in the West. And then suddenly we get a, a dose of rain and those patches are, are still dead. Those that, you know, that lawn really needs something to trigger it to get going. And the key is yeah. feeding at this time of the year, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, definitely. And I mean, we've uh, Lawn Builder, so Scott's Lawn Builder have a range of different slow release fertilisers that will actually help a, a lot of those problems. Yep. Um, one particular the wedding agent, the, the lawn builder slow release that does include the wedding agent will will be something that you can will do two jobs in the one. It'll allow it'll allow the lawn to hold on to more of that water yep. um, during the sort of the rainfall periods and yep. keep that water and penetrate the root system, but it'll also um, conserve that water for the dry spells that we may get from time to time. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a good product in that it'll actually help in both situations. It'll help repair from the summer period and yep. it'll also help us during the sort of heavier rainfall period and what we may come into this winter as well. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, look, I, I suppose one of the, the really important things is is making sure that you're getting water penetrating and then stimulating that growth because it's it's we've, we're in a window of opportunity to get regrowth, um, mm. you know, across the surface and get it all secured before we move into winter, and then winter sort of weed seeds start germinating, and and then the lawn's not growing as fast. So this is a pretty critical time to actually act and do something, isn't it? It is. It definitely is. I mean, yeah, we will come across, you know, in certain parts of the country, we'll start to see bendies start to arrive, yeah. you know, in the in the autumn in the autumn season. Um, and we don't obviously want to have sort of spaces within our lawn where seeds can actually germinate. So you do want to build quite a robust and quite strong and resilient lawn now, so that we don't have those problems later on. Um, and feeding is definitely what you know. The water is not enough. We, we do need to feed the lawn with some key nutrients that will actually help build a resilient and uh, lawn that's going to survive different sort of weather extremes. 
And, you know, Lawn Builder um, really transformed the way we think about feeding lawn. I think, you know, mm. in, in the early days when I was a young apprentice, you know, the it was almost like a farming kind of practice. It was kind of like superphosphate and urea and these very raw materials that released very fast. And later on, we started experiencing problems, particularly in sandy free draining conditions like we have in the West, where those nutrients were suddenly turning up in large quantities in our river systems and lakes and mm -hmm. causing algal blooms and all sorts of environmental problems. And we realised that we yeah. had to stop dumping large amounts of nutrient because a lot of it was actually going through to, to the water table. Right. And this is where this recognition of actually a nice, controlled, well-balanced release of key nutrients to lawn on a daily basis over an extended period of time was far better than dumping large amounts. That's what yeah. Lawn Builder yeah. brought as a significant change because it is a true slow yeah. release. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All the Lawn Builder products are a slow release fertiliser. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, from a consumer point of view as well, you sort of, there's no point in feeding your lawn to make it grow so tall and huge that you just need to mow it more. You want to build a thick lawn um, that will consistently sort of grow and consistently thicken so that it has deep roots um, and it has the ability to survive sort of different weather extremes, as I said. But um, yeah. it's, it's not about, you, you don't want to feed to mow. Yeah, want to, no, to thicken and, and have a strong lawn. And that's really critical at the moment. As we talked about, blocking out um, obviously patches of weeds appearing is a, mm. is a really important thing. You know in those patches, is there a lawn builder option with regards to re-sowing seeds into some of those areas to try and to get... Most it, definitely. You know? Yeah, Yeah, most definitely. So the lawn builder range offers four different skews, or actually five different skews, um, yeah. that will actually be able to... You will be able to plant seed. Um, and fill in those patches. One particular product, Patch Magic, is ideal for the smaller types of patches that you may have in your garden. That's brilliant. Um, and then if you've got sort of a thinning type of lawn, um, you may want to consider sort of over to to allow grass seed to penetrate those little gaps that you may have yeah. um, instead of weeds. And, of course, as we move into sort of a, a more consistent moisture level in the soil, as we move into our, our winter and cooler season and higher humidity, it's the best time to be sowing lawn seed best too. Isn't it? it is. It is. Yeah, definitely. Alicia, the, the Lawn Builder range um, also recognises sometimes, uh, and I was just talking about sandy soils, and I, my personal garden, I have quite heavy soils as a general comment, but a lot of patches that I'm seeing in gardens tend to look like the, the soils run out of energy and run out of those key organics that, that are so important. And getting carbon in the soil is really the key to a really strong, healthy soil. And that's there's a lawn builder product that actually helps people build that up as well, right? Yes, definitely. So putting organic composted material back into your soil is definitely something that's going to improve the health yep. um, of your lawn. Um, and Lawn Builder has a fertiliser product, which is Lawn Builder Plus Organics that will do that, and also yep. a top dress product. So what some people may have found over the period, over the summer period, is that there may be more wear and tear on that lawn. The lawn may have, you know, compacted a little bit. You may need to aerate to break up some of that soil. Um, and top dress is one of those things that um, will actually fill in some of those unlevel areas and fill in some of those aerated holes and provide the lawn and the soil with the good nutrients that it does need to be healthy. And encourage it to spread rapidly over those spots and, and recover. And yeah, really now's definitely. the time to be doing that, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. In about two months' time, we're all going to be talking about weed seeds and things like that starting to germinate. And that'll be when we talk about weed and feeds and and Bindi, obviously. Um, Those sprays at that point. And again, covered as part of the the whole comprehensive coverage of looking after lawns. It's all part of that deal, isn't it, with Lawn Builder? You can get the whole thing, one stop shop, dropping the local money for it all there. Yeah, definitely. Lawn Builder is about building a healthy lawn. So we've got everything from top dress to seeds to fertilisers to weed killing products to pest products as well. Um, we want we want everyone to have a you know nice, strong, healthy lawn so that it becomes a low maintenance task for people. Um, yes. When you've got a good, healthy, robust lawn that will survive. A lot of things that yep. does mean less work for you to do, less mowing, less work. Alicia, <laughs> a lawn is all about enjoying, you know, beautiful green space. That's what it should be. It is. Should be should, you shouldn't be a slave to it. And that's what you guys do so well. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great. No problem. Really appreciate Thank that. I look forward to chatting you again very soon, hopefully. Yes, lovely. Thanks, Trevor. This show is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. Hello, welcome back. How's that for a great interview? Um, Very, very interesting thing with lawns at the moment, bringing them back from the brink, getting them up and growing and growing strongly just in time for the winter, covering up those patches, vitally important, really, really important. So there's some great tips there from Alicia. Now, remember, send us your questions in. That's what I'm going to be focused on for the rest of the show. And you will have a chance to win some of these fabulous packet seeds from from uh, Mr Fothergills, I just said from Love the Garden, but it's actually from Mr Fothergills. Thank you, Mr Fothergills, for sending those in each week. So some nice little prizes just to keep your garden looking good. Good time of the year to be planting seeds too now as we start to move into the winter, higher humidity and more moisture, obviously, in the soil as well. Now, we've got uh, Judy from Epilock in Victoria. Hello, Judy. Are there any termites all over our property? Oh, I'd say there are are a lot of termites all over your property and now your house. Now, you've heard of Thermidor. Can this be bought over the counter? Is there anyone else, please? I would go straight to a specialist um, insect controller. Uh, That is, those pest controllers are the guys that you need to be talking to. I'm sorry, Judy, I'm not going to recommend this. There's some pretty wicked um, insecticides out there for, uh, for ants and termites. Um, pretty dangerous and my recommendation is if you've got them all over the property and now the house you need to actually set up a proper strategy and that's where professional pest controllers come in that's my advice patricia is in perth hello patricia why is one of my white floribunda roses in a pot died any tips i suspect that it'll be shock floribundas are really tough uh, group of roses as a general comment um, interestingly enough if you pull it out of the pot have a bit of a look we're just talking about ants and I have seen on many occasions um, ants getting into the roots of roses that are grown in pots and I don't know why they choose to do that but it can be quite a significant problem certainly pulling the the roots out pulling the plant out now that it's dead and having a good look at the root system is a good idea but 
sometimes what will happen is the plant will uh, will grow a quite a dense root system around the outside of the pot and then with extreme conditions and, and in Perth we've had some very very hot weather for a sustained period of time it may have dried out may have caused those roots to damage and the plant has just suddenly died um, not a lot you can do about it now by the sounds of it unfortunately I'm sorry to hear about that Patricia cherry uh, Sherry is in uh, Muscle World Brook in the Hunter Valley, New South Wales. Hello, Sherry. Um, now, how do you keep lavender and rosemary alive? Well, interestingly enough, this is two plants that come from the Mediterranean that don't like too much water. So they do need to, to get moisture, and that strategy of watering once a week only is the key. The other thing that they're not really keen on is lots and lots of humidity. Both of them get fungal diseases quite easily. And uh, so one of the key things that you've got to do is try and keep airflow going. So plant them well apart from each other, make sure that they're never up against each other and uh, try and allow as much airflow through. And if you're finding that you're getting patches dying out, go through and give them a good cut back. Don't, don't cut to where there is no foliage, always cut to where there's still foliage on the plant and it should regenerate and regrow pretty quickly. But uh, there is a trick with lavender and that is certainly pruning them quite hard once a year, does them the world of good. But they're not a long-lived plant as well for many of the varieties, certainly many of the popular varieties we now find in garden centres, um, you've got three or four, five years maybe where you'll really get good results and then after that they tend to get a bit woody and scraggly. I hope that helps. Sherry, now listen, we're going to back, we're getting a lot of questions from Perth this week, which is fabulous to have um, have people from Perth tuning in. Armadale is in the, the hills, it's in the foothills of Perth, and Andrew has got a dog that keeps weighing on his lawn and it's obviously causing patches. How do you get it green again? Well, interestingly enough, Andrew, one of the solutions to the, um, to the very high levels of ammonia that are in, in dog wee is, um, is making sure that you have those um, carbon blocks. So they're generally charcoal blocks and they, you put them actually in the bowl and um, basically the dog and you can actually, there's a supplement that you can also put into their food as well. And uh, it, it tends to absorb a lot of that ammonia and hold it in. That's certainly one way to do it. I'm going to talk to you a lot about a product called Mineral Magic very soon. It's a, a brilliant biogenic amorphic silica, big words I know, but what it does is it absorbs huge amounts of things and when you put it into huge amounts of nutrients and when you put it into soil, it'll suck up that ammonia and it'll actually turn it to nitrate. It creates a home in the structure of, the, of each of the granules. It creates a home for bacteria that, that transform it from being ammonia to nitrite and then into nitrate so the plant can take it up as fertiliser. And uh, that will help stop that. Um, it's a little early for me to be telling you because it's not quite out in the marketplace yet, but it'll be called, it is called Mineral Magic. You want to keep your eye out for it. It's a good way to do it. In the meantime, charcoal blocks in your dog's water bowl will help with regards to trying to reduce the amount of ammonia. Staying in Perth, Sharon has, wants to know the best way to get rid of grass that keeps growing in your garden beds without killing your plants. Well, Sharon, I would get on to your local uh, gyms or VIP specialist um, or even a pest control specialist. I would ask them to spray a chemical called Fusillard. It is a selective herbicide. And the great thing about Fusillard is it only kills grasses. So you can spray it over all the plants in the garden bed. Um, and as long as they're not a member of the grass family, 
uh, it will kill the grasses that are growing in and amongst them and through them and it'll kill them all the way down to the roots and they won't come back up and your plants will be able to grow without that competition. Uh, so that's called Fusilade. So it's F-U-S-I-L-A-D-E. Hopefully that helps. Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high-quality, German-made Wolfgarten tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Guru's Facebook page. Use the code GURUS for free shipping on orders over $30. Offer ends 31st of October. Okay, now Cathy is in Gilston Bay in Tasmania. Hello, Cathy. It's great to have somebody from Tassie with us. You've got grass that has, seeded, has seed shoots. Oh, and so this is the seed heads on top of the grass. It looks terrible. How do you get rid of it? The only way to get rid of it is to mow, I'm afraid, Cathy. So if you, you mow quite regularly, the, the grass will stop seeding. But when grass goes to seed, often it is because it's stressed um, and it's, it's trying to reproduce. So um, if you are finding that it's occurring because you're not watering or maybe the soil's just drying out, um, as you move into more moist conditions, you should find that the seed head production will reduce. But certainly mowing is the key at the mo moment. Now we've got some, some, some uh, somebody, uh, Consu Consuelo, I hope I got that right, Consuelo. Uh, you're in Sydney, you've got an aloe vera, it's got black spots like rust. What can you do? Well, aloe vera does not like too much water and when its roots start to rot, you'll see spots on the leaves and uh, that's exactly what's going on here. You're giving it too much water. So back the water off and I wouldn't give it anything to be quite honest at the moment, I'll let it dry out a little bit and hopefully that will help um, the plant recover. It's very, very important. Keenan is in Wonthaggy in Victoria. Hello, Keenan. It's great to have you with us again this week. Your fajoa flowered, but it didn't set fruit. You hand pollinated them, not sure what happened. Didn't overfeed them or water them. Did I do something wrong? Look, you can add a little bit of sulphate of potash, which will help fajoas set the flower uh, and set the fruit from the flower. Interestingly enough about fajoas is the flower is deliciously edible, or at least each of the petals of the flowers are. So you can actually harvest the petals and use those. Um, Kirsty, I always think of the monkey magic song when I see mineral magic. There you go, monkey magic. That's um, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. We'll keep that in mind. That could be a catchy tune. We'll mention it. Um, Isabella is in South Australia. Hello, Isabella. Hello, everybody in SA. Uh, you've got an apricot tree. It's about four years old. The fruit doesn't form properly. And the tree just doesn't look right. Now you're not sure whether to get rid of it or not. It doesn't have some kind of disease that you can't see. Fruit not forming properly is an interesting problem, and I'm not really sure that that is a disease as such. Now, if you're finding in the, in the spring when the first growth comes out from winter that it's a little bit deformed or it's got sort of a bright red bubbling on the leaves and foliage, that could be impacting the development of the fruit. And it, it's an unusual thing to see on apricots, but of course, um, uh, you, Peach leaf curl is a, is a fairly common disease. Um, there are some bacterial diseases and one thing you could do to help try and alleviate any deformities is to apply a copper spray. So there is a, a copper-based spray called Cosite or it's, um, it's sold as, I think it's sold as fruit tree spray actually, fruit tree fungicide spray. Um, and uh, this Cosite is uh, what the professionals use to keep their trees free of 
these kinds of um, bacterial infections and, and uh, fungal diseases. So that might be what you could do. In all honesty, if the tree's just not looking right, if the tree's got this constant problem with the fruit not forming properly, it could be just that you've got yourself a bit of a bad tree. And maybe the solution is to take that particular apricot out. It's only four years old, not too late to change over. You could take it out, rip it out, replant a new one, and within two years, you're gonna start getting new, um, new fruit forming that you can eat. Whew, another busy day and we're heading into a weekend. For everybody in uh, Victoria, hearts go out to you. You're gonna have to hang in there for the next five days, but you know you've got lots of love coming from all over the country your way. And for everybody else who's out there, we hope that you are going to have a wonderful weekend. That is it for today's episode of The Garden Gurus Live, and thank you so much for joining us. Michaela, our wonderful producer, will be sending our winners of the Mr. Fothergill's prize, packet seed prizes, out and you'll get notified um, immediately or soon after the show. The Garden Gurus Autumn Series is coming up on Channel 9 starting February the 27th. Remember, you can always jump onto our website and you can catch up on our previous stories at thegardengurus.tv or check out our YouTube channel. Just Google The Garden Gurus or just search for The Garden Gurus on YouTube and it'll pop up. You can listen back to everything that we've done today um, via live stream, well, that we've done on today's live stream, I should say, um, via Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Podbean. And I know a lot of you are doing that now, which is great. I'm looking forward to seeing you again on Friday at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, 4 p.m. Western Standard Time. Happy gardening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. I dig, dig, dig in the ground. Feeling good in the ground. I got my spade. I got my hole. I got my rake and I'm ready to go. 